Sometime a while back, I decided in the midst of this pandemic that we see has not even in its first wave subsided, that maybe we could look to the biblical story of Job uh, as one who found a way through the darkness, the chaos, the uncertainty, through God's grace and power to the far side, to the far side. We're getting close to the far side. Uh, at least for Job, we're getting close to the far side. I have no idea about how close we're getting to the far side of this pandemic. It looks like it's resurging. So I don't know about you all, but I had certain expectations for my life. Everything was going just the way I thought things should go. And the pandemic sort of spun me in a new direction and made me rethink a lot of things. This is not the way I was trained to do church with six people in a room, that includes me, five other people. Um, this is not exactly, I did serve a church actually once where there were only four people in attendance every Sunday uh, in Georgia, but that was a long time ago. This has uh, a weird feel to it. It feels chaotic. It feels uncertain. And I would like answers. Well, I'm in the same boat as Job, uh, although not at all. I, I haven't lost everything. In fact, my desire for answers is a first world desire for answers, if I'm really honest about it, because I am not... I, uh, I'm not in the same place where everything that mattered to me, including my own health, had been taken from me, like Job, at least at this point in my life. So I thought I would set the tune. That we're just going to hear a couple of verses from chapter 31, because this is the last time Job makes his demand in chapter 31. And then we're going to hear from, well, in 38, someone who Job has been demanding answers from actually shows up. So here are these words that kind of set the scene, the last demand of Job, uh, chapter 31, verses 35 through 37. This is Job speaking. Oh, that I had one to hear me. Here is my signature. Let the Almighty answer me. Oh, that I had the indictment written by my adversary. Surely I would carry it on my shoulder. I would bind it to me like a crown. I would give him account of all my steps like a prince who would approach him. And then the response. Then the Lord answered Job out of the whirlwind. Who is this that darkens counsel by words without knowledge? Gird up your loins like a man. I will question you, and you shall declare to me. Where were you when I laid the foundation of the earth? Tell me if you have understanding. Who determined its measurement? Surely you know. Or who stretched the line upon it? On what were its bases sunk? Or who laid its cornerstone? When the morning stars sang together and all the heavenly beings shouted for joy. 
Or who shut in the sea with doors when it burst out from the womb? When I made the clouds its garment and thick darkness its swaddling band and prescribed bounds for it and set bars and doors and said, thus far shall you come and no farther. And here shall your proud waves be stopped. This is a word from the Lord. Thanks be to God. I see some key places, uh, some key parts of this story uh, this morning as we come to this. First of all, those brief verses I gave you in uh, chapter 31. Job essentially demands an audience with God. My life is falling apart, God. Clearly you've got something against me. Let me answer whatever charges you have to bring against me. Let me speak on my behalf. Let me show up in your heavenly court. Give me my day in court so that I may speak truth to you who has unjustly called me out and punished me for things I did not do. That's essentially what Job says. His demands are based on what were his previous understandings still of what it looks like to be a person on earth. That is, if I'm good now, shouldn't I be rewarded now? Shouldn't I get what I deserve? Shouldn't, you know, if, if I am following the rules, shouldn't I get the reward for following the rules right here and now? Right here and now. And, you know, if I've done something wrong, at least tell me what it is so I can correct it. But if you don't tell me, I can't answer for it. I can't change it. I can't do something about it. Tell me what I've done if it's about me. If it's about me, tell me what it is and I'll fix it. Because he's still asking for an answer to a question that never really could be asked. It works out for some people. It doesn't work out for some other people. It, sometimes there is absolutely no rhyme or reason. And let's just be honest. We're rhyme and reason people. We like a good rhyme. We like a good reason. You know, why? I can't tell you how many times my small children, when they were small, now they're no longer small. One is almost 26 and one is almost 24. Uh, you know, they, when they speak to me uh, as small children, I still hear in there, but why? Go to your room. But why? Don't touch the stove. But why? It's a natural response for human. You want a reason. You want a reason for things to be that way. And you don't really always like the answer. Dad, why is the sky blue? Well, it has to do with the prismatic way light comes through the atmosphere. Yeah, a four-year-old really appreciates that answer. Let me just tell you, give them a reason, even if it's the right reason, because God likes the pretty color blue. That's why. I mean, you know, that's as good an answer. That's as good an answer. Job wants an answer. He wants a rhyme and reason. He wants life to make sense on his terms. He's saying, God, you show up in my courtroom. You set a time. You set a date. You subpoena me. I'll show up and answer every one of your charges against me. I've got an answer. Fast forward to chapter 38. There's a lot of stuff in the intervening period of time. Another friend of Job shows up and has something else to say. And then... 38, verse 1. 
the Lord spoke to him out of the whirlwind. Only the word is, whirlwind is a bad translation. You know, I hate to question the people that translated the new Revised Standard Version of the Bible or any other version. It is really out of the storm. And I like the image of the storm because when my world is falling apart, it feels like a storm. If any of you have ever had dogs in your life and a storm blows up, now some dogs just don't pay any attention to it. Some dogs don't pay attention to it. That's not our dog. That is not our dog in our house at all. If there is thunder and lightning, Reedy comes over, that's our dog, Reedy, comes over and she either lays at my feet or she wants to get in the chair with me. And you know, I'm a, I'm a person. I'm a pretty good sized person. There's not a lot of room in my chair, but she, she's gonna make room. And once she's in the chair with me, she's pushing me over. It's, it's like, Reedy, do you want the chair? If I get up from the chair, she gets out of the chair. She doesn't want the chair, she wants me and the chair. If we don't get rhyme or reason, the life uh, is experienced as a storm. And I find it, I find it both uh, interesting and uh, perhaps telling that God speaks out of the storms of our life. Now, sometimes the question for me is this. Is this storm trying to teach me something? Now, don't you ask me that question in the middle of my storm. Don't you ask me, hey, James, what is this trying to teach you? Maybe you're a mess up. Maybe you, you blew it. Maybe this is trying. Because Job's friends have been trying this for the last, I don't know, 37 chapters doesn't work. But sometimes, if I'm self-aware enough, I'm asking the question, what can I learn from this storm? What can, I, what can this storm teach me about me? Why is this storm throwing me off so much? What were my expectations that were maybe inappropriate expectations? Storms can teach us a lot, but don't let me tell you that this storm, called a pandemic, that may have caused you to lose your job, lose your livelihood, could take away members of your family and friends and other kinds of things. I'm not asking you to sit there quietly. I'm not telling you as your friend, hey, sit down and ask what this storm is teaching you. I'm saying sometimes for me, the storm speaks to me and says, James, part of it is you had inappropriate expectations of life. You thought that everything had a rhyme or reason, and sometimes it just doesn't. All of that comes together in my mind. Storms can teach us a lesson, and sometimes it's way later at hindsight. So I don't want to dwell on that too much because I don't want you to hear me saying to you, hey, what's this storm teaching you, bud? <laughs> because that's just glib. And particularly if it's teaching you tough things, you don't need me to say those things. You don't find that helpful at all. But for me, this time of pandemic has asked me some important questions. What is church? What does it look like to be church if there's only six of us in a room and however many, at one point, several hundred of you online. I don't know how many there are today or will be over the week. Uh, and the question becomes, how do we be church into the future?
because the pandemic is going to be here for a while. How are we safe? How are we loving? So all of those questions. What is this storm teaching me? That maybe I need to rethink what I thought before. So God shows up and says to Job, who are you to question everything? Now, I think it's very important to ask the self, the, the self this question, who are you? Which Job are you that has shown up to talk to God? Are you the Job that in the beginning expected rhyme or reason? Are you the Job that's been transformed by all of the bad stuff that's happened to you? Are you the angry Job? Are you the Job that loves me because I'm God or the Job who loves me because of what I can do for you? Who are you? Who are you to ask me this question? Who are you right now? Once again, you know, storms give us the opportunity to ask that question of ourselves. Who are you? Who are you? Right now, when we start stripping away things, who are you? And then the next question God asks, where were you when I put everything together? So for me, where were you 14.6 billion years ago when I uh, began the Big Bang? Hey. You call it the Big Bang, you weren't there. It wasn't even a bang. It's in the emptiness of space. There was no sound at all, except my voice. Let it be, and it began. Where were you besides being a thought, an imagination, a hope in God's mind 14.6 billion years ago? Where were you when I laid the foundations of the earth? Do you understand how everything works? Have you figured out, yet? you think that life is supposed to be fair, and it's just not. Sometimes it feels fair, and sometimes it feels unfair. And really, if you get down to it, that's really your perspective on life. It feels fair right now. It feels unfair right now. And it's all a matter of where you are right in this moment. Where were you when I laid the foundations of the earth? Well, then it goes on to do something that I think is very, very, very interesting and telling. God, I think, reveals a little bit about God's philosophy about the universe in the next few moments. I, ride with me on this for just a moment. God tells the story of the birthing of the waters from the womb. Now, you need to understand something about waters that would have been the case for those who were hearing it when this was originally told. The waters were a place of great chaos. Waters symbolized chaos, absolute chaos. And part of that whole first Genesis story in Genesis 1, when the spirit is brooding over the waters of chaos and God brings order out of that. This is the story of the birthing of chaos and then God taking chaos in God's loving arms and swaddling it. Swaddling it. Do you know about swaddling? Swaddling is supposed to duplicate for a baby the feeling of what it was like to be held tightly in the mother's womb. You wrap the baby tightly not 
too, too tightly, but tightly enough that they feel contained. Okay, stop putting the Bible in front of the mic. They feel held. They feel contained. They feel safe. So God gave birth to chaos and then set its limits, wrapped it up, and put it out there. Now, I don't know about you, but I'm not fond of chaos. I am fond of order. I like order. It feels controlled. It feels neat. You know, one of my ordinations, I'm, I'm, I am ordained to word, order, and sacrament. Part of my job is to keep order. Lord, help you all, because that's part of my job, part of my ordination, part of my authority from the bishop of the United Methodist Church to take authority to order things, to make things orderly. And what order does is sometimes hold back the places where chaos threatens to take over. But you know what I see in this story about God's philosophy? is there's room in the universe for chaos, not just order. I want God to be the God of order. I want everything to neatly happen. I want to know what to expect next. I want to know what step two is. And while we're moving to step two, how about giving me step three and step four too? I do not want to be hanging between one and two, not knowing if there is a two, wondering if instead we're going into chaos and somehow we come out at six. I don't want to come out at six. I want to come out at two. I know what comes after one. And God says, listen, I've made room in the universe for there to be chaos and order. And sometimes it's going to descend into chaos in your life. Your life is going to be filled with chaos. But chaos doesn't get the final word. I, God, the maker of chaos, get the final word. I, God, the maker of order, the bringer of order, get the final word. Neither chaos nor order are God merely byproducts of creation. And sometimes it's in the chaos, the uncertainty, that on the far side something really beautiful emerges. I was watching an artist. One of our favorite restaurants when we're in, uh, when we're in New Mexico, in Albuquerque, um, is El Pinto's. And on Friday nights, if you go there for Mexican food, it's pretty amazing Mexican food. I don't want to think about it because I don't know when we're going back to Albuquerque, if ever, if travel ever happens. But one of the things they do at El Pinto's is they have an artist who sits in, in an alcove and, and paints. And it's often Western scenes and other kinds of things, but I, I watch his process. And in the beginnings and middle of the process of some of his paintings, and sometimes there are several paintings spread out at various places in the process, they look like a mess. You have no idea what they're going to turn out to on the far side. Have no idea at all. It just looks like a mess. But then I look at the other paintings. He's not, he's not an impressionist. He's not, a, uh, he's not an abstract painter. There's always something on the far side. There's always, and even if he were, there's always be something on the far side. But in the middle, it looks like chaos. It looks like a mess to me. 
I, the next time I see him when we're in Albuquerque, if that ever happens again, I'm going to say, how does it feel in the beginning to have chaos on your canvas? I, I'm not sure I'm going to ask it that way because I'm not sure the artist will really feel like that's a good... Oh, it looks chaotic to me. Can you share me, with me your process? But the bottom line is, I don't fully get God's process. I don't get what chaos is wreaking. That when it rises up, I don't know what it's doing. And I have two choices in, in the midst of chaos. I can double down on what I'm absolutely sure is right on this side of chaos, where I came from, and I'm going back to that I don't care what. I mean, look at our society today. Any number of people absolutely refusing to wear a mask. Why? Because they want things the way they were. And rather than dealing with the way things are, they deal with things the way they were. And the way they were is, I didn't have to wear a mask, so why should I have to wear a mask now? Why should it be any different? I don't do chaos. I'm going to live in denial. I'm going to live like it's still one instead of six. And we do that. Denial is natural for human beings in the midst of chaos. When we lose somebody, when the world feels crazy, when it breaks, when it falls apart, when it comes at us in ways we could not have imagined, that brokenness is hard for us to deal with. So we yearn for one all over again. And if we yearn for that alone, what ends up happening is we come out on the far side bitter because it's not one anymore. It's something else. It embitters us. What would it take for us to be open, trusting in a God who is the God of both chaos and of order? We want God to be the God of order, I know. But if I read this story correctly, God isn't just the God of order. God is the God who gave birth to chaos, took it in his arms, wrapped it in beautiful swaddling clothes, limiting it, if you will, hedging it in by decree. But there's a place for chaos as well as for order in this universe. We don't always understand what's going on when chaos is happening. And we're trained to want to understand everything. Why? Why? You know why. No, you don't. No, you don't. But somehow in the midst, perhaps it's just the way the universe is. God is always going to be God. God's always going to love you. But sometimes chaos is going to come into your life. And as much as you may yearn for order, you have to trust that God will bring you what you need and will carry you through even the most chaotic times. That's what's been hardest for me over the last four months. I will tell you that right now. This feels like chaos to me. I like my house. I like the space in my house. Quite frankly, I have every meeting you come to my house when, if, if you are uh, in soul space, if you are in prayer, centering prayer, if you are in my uh, universal Christ group, if you are in a meeting with me, 
you come into my house. Uh, via Zoom, of course, that's what, how you come there. That's where I am all the time. And as warm and comforting as my house is to me, it feels like chaos. I want to leave when I want to leave. I want to go where I want to go. I want to do what I want to do. <laughs> and that's not always the most loving response to chaos. So I've been asking a lot recently, what is this storm, what is chaos teaching me about where I was putting my trust before? Was it in my neat ordered life? Sheltered as it was in my cute little suburban neighborhood? In my sweet and beautiful little building church? Or was it in God? Who are you, God says to Job. Who are you? Are you the God that trusts me or that trusts order? Are you the God that trusts me or, and rebel, or, the, or the guy who rebels against chaos? Who are you? Who are you? And... Can you trust God even when things are falling apart? I think that that's the question for Job. We don't know Job's answer yet. Where were you when I set the universe up? And you decided that it was going to work this way when in fact it, it doesn't work that way, Job. Where were you? Can you trust me even when things come apart? Because listen, Job, listen, listener on the web, listen, person in this room. This is what God thinks of you. I love you. I love you infinitely. I made you as a gift, unique, once for all time in all the billions of years. There has never been a you before, and there will never be a you again. I made you. I love you. Chaos, order, in between, outside. I love you. Can you just love me back even when things are a little wonky, when the rhyme and reason is gone? Can you trust? Can you love? Can you ride with me? I think that's what I hear God saying. I'm not very good at making room for chaos. But chaos is coming, whether I want to make room for it or not. And I have to decide if I'm going to trust God in it. Friends, I pray God's hand and blessing will be upon you as you indeed struggle in the chaos.